0: Amen. Hey, once again, we are in our study, World Religions, Cults and the Occult. And give it up, Sandy. She can't see it. Mary. Give it up for Mary. She's always there, right on there. Sandy, we'll give you a try, Lord willing, next time. That's right. And, uh, but uh, we are in our study. That's right. Witchcraft and the Rise of Wicca, part 14 of our World Religions study. And so far, by way of recap, because that's what we do, we've seen the definition of of witchcraft. And again, Wicca, literally straight translation over means witch. So don't let them say that. Oh no, it's not witchcraft. It, that's what the word means. Okay. We saw the different types of witches, the location of witches. We're certainly seeing that in our history section all over the world. That's right, Jim, all over the world. The protection, how do you get protected from witchcraft and any things of that nature? It's Jesus. If you're not saved, you need to get saved and be indwelt with the spirit of God. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. That's number one. Number two, if you are a Christian and they come after you, you don't have to be afraid. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Okay, but you need to turn to Jesus, okay, and the authority of his name. Uh, Then we've been dealing extensively with the history section, okay, and what we saw is basically Wicca is nothing new under the sun. It's basically old-fashioned witchcraft repackaged with a new name, but it's nothing new. In fact, witchcraft itself is nothing new under the sun. It's been going on for a long time, ever since the Tower of Babel. Okay, they didn't just rebel against God and build a tower and refuse to spread out over the earth. They basically, as we saw with the evidence, archaeological evidence, they had, were heavy duty just a couple hundred years after the flood in major witchcraft. And not just witchcraft, but occult practices. And then what happened is, after God dispersed from the Tower of Babel, it, the people finally began, as he confused the languages, to permeate the planet. And guess what they took with them? Witchcraft, And what we saw is it went from Babylon to Egypt to Greece. And then finally we saw last time the Roman culture. And basically what we saw is the Romans took basically the Greek gods, okay, who got their witchcraft, a lot of it from Egypt, who got theirs from Babylon, followed the trail. Okay, but the Romans basically took the Greek gods and put Roman names to them. And it wasn't just the gods that they worship that were from Greece with new names. Uh, They basically also brought along the witchcraft, okay? Their society, the Roman society, was heavy-duty infiltrated with witchcraft. And again, remember, that's the society in power when you have Jesus coming as our Messiah and the early church having to deal with that, so that was very eye-opening. We saw it was everywhere in the Roman society. They had oracles that they turned to, the Sibylline Oracle, the Oracle Delphi. Remember that? That there's a crack in the ground with poisonous gases coming up, and all of a sudden she get a revelation. <laughs> it's was, it was supposed to be from you know the the gods. Not called. Uh, gas in the ground so anyway crazy okay but that's back then they had various roman spirits that they had supposed to be after you good and bad but obviously it's all demonic they had household shrines everybody had their own shrine it wasn't just in the public square and things and basically as the greeks had their goddess of witchcraft uh, hecate rome had the same thing they just took hecate and turned her into trivia that's right, Jim. That's your piece of trivia for tonight, okay? Uh, and uh, basically, they had a goddess of witchcraft, too. And, of course, it showed. There's tons. We find evidence of witchcraft spells, witchcraft amulets, uh, curses, uh, curse dolls, i.e., like voodoo dolls, nothing new under the sun, man. They were doing that way back then as well. Uh, they used it in chariot races and sport races to try to uh, get their uh, uh, opponents to lose. They used it in uh, murder, in so-called love, legal cases, and so-called health. But it was everywhere. So... Again, we're in our history section. We're exploring where did it go after the Tower of Babel. Where did it go next? Well, as I alluded to last time, it simply goes to Asia. It goes to the east, okay? And we see that when you take a look, and we see there... But you got the, basically, the Tower of Babel, if you can see there, and you see some arrows, and you see them going, uh, eventually, you're going to see north, we're going to eventually, Lord willing, get to Europe. Okay, you see them also going down south, and that's what we've kind of dealt with, going west and south, that's with your uh, uh, Egypt, and down south, and then uh, west, you got Rome and Greece. Okay, but, I don't know if you can see it, but there's another arrow that eventually, they start peeling off where? They start going east, Okay, is where they went after the Tower of Babel, okay? And so that's what we're going to deal with tonight, Asian witchcraft, okay? I tell you what, getting into this study, very uh, familiar with a lot of European witchcraft, which eventually came over to the Americas that the Puritans and pilgrims had to deal with, okay? But uh, this has been a real eye-opener for me, even personally. I I mean, I know that there's a lot of evil and witchcraft and occult, but I just tracing the trail... And God sees the whole thing. But basically, and we're not there yet, we've got to finish our history section, but when we're done, folks, the whole planet is covered in witchcraft and occult practices. Not just America, not just a couple isolated cities, it's all over. And God sees the whole thing at the same time. Right? Okay, it's crazy, but we're going to deal with Asia tonight. Now, what's crazy, if you read your Bible, hey, what a concept, I highly recommend it, Leanne, Uh, then you're going to see that Israel, believe it or not, just didn't get involved in witchcraft in their rebellion against God. They actually got involved in Asian witchcraft. What? Yeah, that's right. Open your Bibles to Isaiah. is where we're going to be tonight. Isaiah chapter two. And of course, you guys were so brilliant on Sunday. I'm going to test you again for the purposes of succeeding, not failure, because I trust you. But Isaiah was written by, uh, you guys are brilliant scholars, that's right. Isaiah chapter 2, we're going to read verses 5 through 9, we're going to take a look at the guys getting involved in witchcraft, where did it come from, then we're going to take a look at the ladies getting involved in the witchcraft as well, and boy does God have some strong words for both of them. Okay, you don't want to mess with witchcraft. All right, so this is Isaiah chapter two, verse five through nine. Here's what he says. Come, O house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. You have abandoned your people, the house of Jacob. They're full of superstitions from the where? The east. Are you serious? Yeah, in case you wonder what they are, he tells you in the next one. They practice what? Divination, sorcery, witchcraft, like the Philistines. They clasp hands with pagans. Their land is full of silver and gold, and there's no end to their treasures. Their land is full of horses. There's no end to their chariots. Their land is full of idols. They bow down to the work of their hands and what their fingers have made, so man will be brought low, and mankind humble do not forgive them. God has strong words for that. Now, it wasn't just the guys, it was the ladies. Now flip over to uh, chapter 3, Isaiah chapter 3, verse 16. 16 God's got some strong words. Now notice what these ladies were wearing. Okay, you're going to see they were wearing amulets, charms, witchcraft. Okay, these are, this is from Israel. It's crazy, All right? Here's what he says. The Lord says the women of Zion are what? Haughty. They walk along with outstretched necks. They're flirting with their eyes, tripping along with mincing steps and with ornaments jingling on their ankles. And therefore the Lord will bring sores on the heads of the women of Zion. The Lord will make their scalps bald. How many of you guys would say God's a little upset? you threaten to take a lady's hair off yeah it's not a good sign right in that day what the lord will snatch away their finery the bangles the headbands the crescent necklaces the earrings the bracelets the veils the headdresses the ankle chains the sasses the perfume bottles and what charms or amulets very interesting so what's that it's witchcraft the signet rings the nose rings the fine robes the capes the cloaks the purses and the what mirrors, we're going to see that again tonight, big in witchcraft, and the linen garments and tiaras and shawls, instead of fragrance there's going to be a stench, instead of a sash a rope, instead of well-dressed hair baldness, instead of fine clothing sackcloth, instead of beauty, branding your men will fall by the sword, your warriors in battle, the gates of Zion will lament and mourn, destitute she will sit on the ground, men, ladies you name it, God is not pleased when his people get involved in witchcraft, but where does it say it came from? It's crazy we don't kind of think of it we think of Israel was all isolated no they weren't especially with King Solomon man he had access to all kinds of stuff people came to him brought him wares. he was the wisest richest man in the world that really happened by the way okay well guess what apparently there was contacts from the east okay and, uh, and apparently they got involved and they shared and Israel accepted their witchcraft okay God has strong words for that but let's remind ourselves again how in the world did witchcraft go from Babel all the way to the east and then eventually it came back to Israel. Let's take a look at that again.
1: After the flood, Noah and his family gave thanks and offered sacrifices to God for preserving them. God told Noah to go and multiply and fill the earth. Noah's family flourished and multiplied and multiplied but they did not spread all over the earth. Instead, they moved down from the mountains of Ararat and settled in the plain of Shinar and dreamed of building a great city. Come, let us build a city and a tower to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. God The Creator of the heavens and the earth looked down upon them and saw the city and the tower they were building. They are united and speak the same language. Now nothing they imagine to do will be impossible for them. So God went down and confused their language so they could not understand each other. And God scattered them over the face of the earth. And they stopped building the city. They left Babel by foot, by cart, and by boat. Because of the language barriers, each family group became isolated and developed distinct physical traits and cultures.
0: And as we saw, only 200 years roughly about after the flood, what were the people already engaged in? major mega witchcraft in the occult. So guess what? Those people took with them. They took the witchcraft with them. So that was this, the, this deal. Isaiah was written about 700 B.C. Approximately. This is approximately about 1,500 years after the Tower of Babel. So you think about that. That's plenty of time for people to get all the way over to the east further unfortunately like the other countries developed their witchcraft and it's also certainly enough time for unfortunately uh, for Israel to get in contact and then bring it back over Uh, but again you're seeing that God does not want his people involved in this so let's take a look at this Asian witchcraft that came from the east that influenced Israel that God had some pretty strong words for uh, don't you ever get involved in this stuff Okay, now, uh, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to hit just two areas uh, from Asia uh, that we only have time for, okay? And that's Japan and China. Now, I'm telling you, Asia uh, doesn't mean just one country. Uh, It's a whole bunch of them, okay, for those of you hooked on geography, okay? Now, we've had the liberty of dealing with uh, one whole area, one whole study, Egypt, Greece, Rome, Babylon, right? Uh, I could do a whole study just on Japan, a whole study easily on just china. We're actually going to try to combine these two. I don't have time to get to korea. I don't have time to get a lot of the other steel you will see a video from Indonesia but but we're just going to have to hit a highlight and then we're going to keep moving around on our geography. so i just give you a heads up. How come you didn't cover Korea? How come you didn't co- I'm just trying to give you an overview, but you're going to see even the East is flooded just like the Bible presupposes and tells us uh, is they're flooded with witchcraft, okay? So we're gonna have to do that. So let's start with Japan, Japanese witchcraft, okay? Again, this is permeated throughout Asia on a massive scale. Now, Japanese uh, uh, society, basically their witch uh, is separated into two major categories, okay? And what they do is the Japanese witch, okay, and uh, works with these things called And if you're familiar with witchcraft even today, uh, no pun intended, familiar, they work with these things called familiars. Okay, and I'll get to that in just a second. But the witch, the Japanese witch, okay, is two major uh, types of witches. And there's actually more. I'll add a third one, but we're only going to cover mainly one. And that's what's called the fox witch or the snake witch, Uh, There's also, a cat is very popular. But basically, the reason why uh, they're doing that is because they're working with these, quote, familiar spirits that inhabits these animals, in the case of the fox, snake, cat. And these familiars are the ones that lead them deeper into the witchcraft and the occult, protect them supposedly, and uh, teach them their techniques. Now, what are we talking about here? We're talking about a demon, is what's going on here okay let, let's deal with that familiar spirits okay in fact let me show you a european old uh, european photo uh witchcraft still relies on this today right you don't want to say hey come with me and learn the craft directly from demons most people would freak out but if you rephrase it and say it's a familiar spirit it's an animal guide it will help us and lead us into our practice. Uh, it's a little bit more palatable. It's called deception, okay? But this is a, uh, a photo from England, and uh, in the late 16th century, this is a witch feeding her familiars. Basically, would be possessed animals, right? But there's demons. Now, can demons inhabit animals? Yeah, we certainly see that scripturally. People or animals, right? With the pigs, we saw that. Okay, but a familiar spirit is also known as an animal guy. Uh, it's believed, and this is it back in Japan. This is their big belief, but again, it's nothing new to the sun. Witchcraft still does it today. They believe that these supernatural entities, i.e., demons, okay, will inhabit these particular animals and give them particular powers uh, to further develop their magic. Okay, sometimes uh, they'll even be used in human form. But the animal form is really popular, certainly in Asia. Okay, now they say that when they served the witches, these familiar spirits, i.e., demons and animals, when they served the witches, they were evil and bad. But you didn't have to be a witch. It was actually encouraged that you, the regular Joe in Asia, could have your own familiar spirit, i.e. a demon, but then that's okay. Uh, that, that's for good. So the witches' familiars were bad, okay? But yours, if you had one, uh, somehow it was good. Uh, in fact, the witches, they flat out uh, often would give the connotation that they were bad, i.e. demons, okay? And, uh, but what they would typically call for the average Joe, if you had one, it was just a fairy, you know a little leprechaun you know wait till we get to that stuff right you think it's just kids tales no those were a lot of them believe were demons familiar spirits right so uh, even though they're popularized by cartoons okay Uh, but anyway so they were actually if you think about it what's the whole process being developed here in the Asia right their witchcraft was having direct contact and they were being led and directed and taught by what demons and you wonder why God says stay away from this stuff Right? Period. And again, this isn't just exclusive to Asia. We'll get into eventually, Lord willing, if we're still alive and still here, okay, into so called modern witchcraft, which is nothing modern about it at all, okay? But this is still a common practice, right? And these spirits are supposed to do that, okay? But, in fact, they even admit it. Since the 20th century, some magical practitioners, including, here it is, Wicca, right? Use familiars, okay? and uh, except they don't use the fox or the snake or the cat necessarily they use uh, pets or wildlife right and they're there to help them as magical aids you know like the the disney cartoon poca or pocahontas or whatever but you might as well call it pocahontas because we saw before in other studies what a rip-off pocahontas was actually a, a born-again christian lady right but they make her out to be what some Indian shaman worshiper, nature spirits. Then, yeah, Chris, That's her singing in case you're wondering wrong. Anyway, that's, <laughs> anyway, but I'll give you one more and we we'll, might get into this later in some other study. But another term that they would have for these familiar spirits, right? Uh, not just an animal guide, uh, but would be a doppelganger. Right now, a doppelganger, and that's actually a German word uh, for familiar spirit. It means double goer or double walker okay but again uh, they believe that that was there to serve the person it's your personal helper right, who walks with you who goes with you and helps you no it's actually a demon okay is what's going on there uh, but again notice that they, they, they try to say hey we're here to what help you we're going to teach you we're going to protect you but uh, if you know anything about demons and especially if you read John chapter 8 Satan's not only a liar he's the father of all lies he's a murderer and he's been one from the beginning so what's the demon's ultimate goal to lie and deceive you certainly lead you away from Jesus Christ okay but ultimately to kill you so that's the live witchcraft that's, it's there it's good for helping him all that stuff no it's not it's there to ultimately kill you or lead you away from Jesus Christ long enough until you take your last breath and end up in hell okay so that's what's going on there Uh, but also let's get back to the different kind of witches okay let's deal with this first one here the fox witch okay in Japan and again when you say fox witch again she literally has a demon as her companion and guide supposedly in this fox okay is what is the whole premise there okay now uh, they basically have two different categories of, if you will, of fox witches. Okay, let me see if I can break this down for you. Uh, it's Kasune Tusaki and Kasune Moki. Now, is that cool for Japanese? I probably butchered it, but none of us know, so let's enjoy it while well, we can. Now, why is it Kasune? Well, Kasune is the Japanese word for fox. Okay, you guys just uh, learned something very interesting right now. All right? Uh, but let's talk about the, the Kasune Moki. The Kasune Moki is the private. Solitary practitioner, right? And they got their fox demon that travels with them wherever they go, and uh, and they they uh, are able to acquire this familiar spirit by giving it offerings of food. They also form a pact with it. So basically, sell your soul to the devil. We would say you're selling your soul to this uh, demon. In the, uh, inhabiting a fox and it's going to give you an uh, exchange for that and you give it food then you're going to give it uh, it's going to give you magical services that's how it was supposed to go uh, they believe that these uh, familiar spirits in the form of animals certainly the fox witch uh, this one the solitary one the Kasunimoki uh, that the, they, they would become invisible they could retrieve desired objects they could shape shift and uh, they could deceive their enemies right So it's just like a, you know, traveling thing that went with you wherever. Uh, But sometimes these critters, shocker, just like the Bible says, they don't just want to inhabit animals, they want to what? They want to inhabit you. And that's the next category. And that's the kitsune tsuki. As you can see in this drawing, ultimately the fox wants to go in where? The demon wants to go inside the body. And that's what that means. A kitsune tsuki is one who's now fully possessed by the fox spirit. So you're talking about full-blown demonic possession. In fact, one guy uh, in the uh, 1800s, he describes somebody that this happened to uh, in that region. He said, quote, strange is the madness of those into whom the demon foxes enter. Sometimes they run, now think about full-blown demonic possession in the scriptures in the New Testament okay Uh, and that's what we're again dealing with here but here's what happened they run naked shouting through the streets some lie down and froth at the mouth they yelp as the fox yelps and on some part of the body of the possessed a moving lump appears under the skin which seems to have a life of its own if you prick it with a needle it glides instantly to another place they eat only what foxes are believed to like and they eat a great deal alleging that not they but the possessing foxes are hungry okay but it wasn't just the fox spirit again we're talking about the most popular ones there's a lot of different animal spirits I gave you the basically the top three that I came across okay but the other one of course was the snake witch okay as you can see depicted here and it's the same kind of principle right and uh, that uh, the, the demon of course, they wouldn't call it that, inhabits the snake, and then that travels with you, and then that gives you the power just like the fox, okay? So that's this is kind of like version number two. Very, very popular today. Snake familiar. Now, what's wild is possession of so-called snake spirits is still in function today, not just in the East, but in other countries, and they specifically want people to get possessed with the snake spirit because then that will make them clairvoyant and they could be used as an oracle to predict the future and make money off of Sound familiar? Yeah, it's Acts 16, but it still goes on today. Let me give you one example. In
1: Europe, I know that people don't believe that there are demons or evil spirits. Who are you? Are you Baal or Astaroth? I want to know. Oh, you are you Leviathan? In the mighty name of Jesus, I command you to come out with your name. What is your name? Uh, Demo, I command you now.
2: Uh, what is your name? Uh, what is your name? Uh, what is your name? Lain, the ambeni ni egwe na ni bajikpu e. Lain, Laini inteyi anake woni. Breaker,
1: ba aku niema. Ni nani ita wani yue ni ibayu ni their practices has its root in satanic kingdom, not in the kingdom of God, and everything that is of Satan is evil, is demonic, and we can't accept those things. Set you free, Jesus. From
0: now, have your liberty in Jesus' name. Amen. I love how that ends. She gets delivered through Jesus Christ. You know, it's kind of interesting. You know, How many times do we even our so-called modern society? We downplay demon possession as if it doesn't happen. Uh, it still happens. I think a lot of people who are demon possessed uh, basically get medicated into uh, basically mutinous, so to speak. Uh, And or they're put away in psych wards Thinking that's just psychological I'm not saying that some of that isn't psychological But having been into psych wards Myself not personally but visiting Trying to witness and pray for people In the ministry over 20 some years I'm telling you there is a different spirit In those places and I think a lot of these people Are demonically possessed but our secular Society refuses to admit it and so all they do Is give them drugs and that ain't going to help nothing So the only thing like you saw that will Deliver these people is Jesus Christ and that's what they need but think about it sometimes in our modern mindset we'll look back and we'll not lay downplay and act like demon possession doesn't go on I still think it's just as rampant today as it was in the New Testament but why do you think Jesus encountered so many demonically possessed people we'll go back to even our last study with the Roman culture what was it infiltrated with witchcraft so is it any surprise right now that was the snake spirit that that guy again we're still on uh japan snake spirit familiar right uh but that was the snake spirit and he wanted her to get possessed through these rituals okay and she's licking her tongue like the snake and things that nature already being possessed by the so-called snake spirit it's a demon right so she could become an oracle and she could so-called predict the future make money he's making money off her right and I quote, Acts sixteen sixteen. Now it happened of us going to a place of prayer, a certain girl having the spirit of python met us who was bringing her masters much gain by fortune telling. Right, that's Acts 16. So Paul encountered a girl that was, again, because witchcraft was permanent back there in the early church, the Roman society, who was deliberately possessed with a snake spirit, the python spirit, okay, to become an oracle to make money. And what did Paul do? He delivered her in the name of Jesus Christ. And what happened? Everybody was so excited. No, they got mad at him because their way of living got destroyed, right? So it still, as you just saw, goes on today. But again, this is what's going on with uh, the Asian witchcraft, certainly Japanese witchcraft. Now, let me give you another category. Okay, so we're still on the fox and the snake spirit. Okay, and uh, let me give you another one. And this is basically a family of witches, right? Generational witchcraft uh, to Tsukimono suji, And these are hereditary witches. They're typically feared and sometimes even venerated. And quote, once a family has been identified, people discover that they're a family of witches or uh, to Tsukimono suji. quote, marriage becomes difficult, especially for females in the house. Why? Because they believe that the familiar spirits are passed down the maternal line okay through the ladies so think about it you find out this girl you're wanting to date or marry and she's from a family of witches then uh what's probably going to happen she's going to want to transfer that demon spirit to your kids kind of a deterrent to getting married last time I checked okay for those you're thinking straight okay and so uh, that's what was going on there Uh, but they even admit listen the family of witches uh, generational witchcraft uh, what the Japanese would call Kumo Suji is just like quote European witchcraft traditions from the importance of familiars uh, because that's also what European witchcraft teaches that the familiar spirits will go down uh, the maternal line as well. So again, why? Because it's all coming from the same source is why. Now, they also have this, we're still on Japan, uh, We are. they have their version of talismans. Now, as we saw before, they have basically their talismans are in written form, okay, typically on pieces of papers called ofuda, okay. Ofuda uh, means a slip of paper or a card. And basically, this is special writing that they use to create a talisman, okay? And they're issued by shrines with the name of the shrine on it and or the deity or deities that the shrine represents. And then it's stamped, as you can see the, the red stuff there, it's stamped with the seal of the shrine. And this basically is their version of a talisman, right? And they they did a couple different things for them. As we saw some of the other societies, they would carry around special rocks or the dolls or figurines that represented the deities that were supposed to protect them. This is kind of their version of a talisman kind of written down. And uh, they would often be placed on household altars. They would be revered both as a symbol of the shrine and the shrine's deity or deities. And they believed in the house, if you had this up, that it could be used as a medium through which you could access the deity as you worship it, okay? So there was that version of what this uh, did. But again, it was also uh, used to supposedly uh, bring with you and to protect you and your home and all that other stuff and give you good luck and all that stuff. Uh, they also had a portable version uh, of the uh, Afuda that they basically you could put into a bag, a small bag, as we saw, kind of like a mojo bag. Uh, again, nothing new under the sun. Uh, that was called the gofu, okay? And they basically carried around with you, okay? But they, they're relying. a lot of the other cultures we saw, they're more reliant on figurines or rocks and things of that nature. Uh, the, the Asian cultures are more on, This written form of talisman, these special words uh, with the shrine, and you got the stamp of approval, and that thing is going to protect you. So that's kind of their version of that. Now, they're also big, okay, in, as we saw before, again, nothing new under the sun. What's one of the big things that's important, speaking of writing on paper to create this talisman, what's big in witchcraft? Words, the power of words, you got to have a specific word to write this specific spell, or this specific curse, and you got to do it in the right way and the right mannerism in order for it to access the power and do what you want to do. Well, they did the same thing, okay, and they called it kododama or kototama, and that means word spirit or word soul, okay? And this is the belief that, again, they're not just scribbling on, they're not saying, hey, stay away from me you know hey give me good luck right there's specific words that they're writing on these things on these talisman that they believe is going to empower them or protect them or to produce some sort of a negative effect or whatever they want okay and and listen to what it says it's very interesting the powers okay dwell in the words and the names okay now what does that sound like it's what we dealt with for 42 weeks the word faith study. Remember that? The power's in your words. Don't you dare say nothing negative because if you say negative, you, you're a little God and, and it's, the, it's the, the, the power of your words that are gonna create that negative reality and that's why the only thing coming out of your mouth is your power of your words and you gotta have positive confession and then you could speak into reality. That's witchcraft, folks. That's flat out witchcraft and I'm not gonna go through 42 weeks of that study again but as we saw, they weren't uh, the modern-day charismatic chaos uh, group and the word faith teachers. They're not just promoting Hinduism, New Age, but occult witchcraft practices. This is straight-up witchcraft, man, in the church. And then uh, people say you're being a bad guy by calling these guys out. But anyway, whatever. So uh, the, it also means uh, the Kododama or Kodotama means power word, literally magic word. Now listen to this. It presupposes that, quote, sounds, can magically affect objects and that ritual word usages can influence your environment, body, and soul. Again, what's that? Word faith. In fact, let me get more specific. Quote, words raised up invoke the magical power of words. Directed words cause submission through the power of your words. Again, what is this? That's the so-called modern word faith movement. It's 100% across the board Witchcraft, they just slap Christianese on it and somehow it's okay. Now, where these words, these dama or tama, come in handy, the power of the words to create your reality, to do these things, to protect you, do these spells, is also very big. And guess what? Okay, uh, not only uh, with witchcraft, but in martial arts. Well, you want to start a fight? Start picking on somebody who says they're a Christian and they're involved in yoga. And then tell them that that came straight out of Hinduism and that you can't separate the two. I'm just doing it for exercise. Hey, why do you have to do that? How about some push ups, jumping jacks? You know, those are clean. Don't have to worry about it. Lift some weights, right? Why does it have to be yoga? Which yoga is flat out Hindu. Yoga means yoke. You're yoking yourself with the Hindu deities. And a lot of the postures are snake postures, like a snake, right? I'm not making this up. And we're not going to deal with that. We dealt with that in our New Age study and other studies too, okay? But the other one, if you want to say, uh, you might want to think twice about getting involved with that, is this, martial arts. Now, I'm not going to go into whole giant detail because we dealt with this already in our Buddhism study, okay? And we exposed that, uh, as well as the Star Wars movies and what they're promoting there and things of that nature, okay? Uh, But they believe, why do these guys in uh, martial arts, you know, basically, when they make a move, what do they do? Yeah. Cool. So what are they saying? Hi. Hello. I like your hair. Is that the words they use? No, they're using these specific words. Do you realize that those words are admittedly used in the Kododama Kododama? These are specific words that they're saying while they practice martial arts to tap into this magical power to give them power and strength and to do their enemies. In fact, if you look at some of the things, I'll say, oh, that that can't happen. But they even use the power of the words and they could push objects away, okay, uh, without even touching them, including their opponents and things of that nature, okay? But what's interesting, oh, that's just an interesting theory. You're just picking on, uh, you know, uh, martial arts again. No, I'm not. Uh, The founder of Aikido admitted that, quote, Kodotama using power words, magical words quote was the spiritual basis for his teachings. In fact even more specific he said Aikido is based on the uh, Kodotama principle and is quote the highest way to practice Kodotama so it's not just a little bit of it, it's not just a theory, it's woven into it. Okay and quote it is the means by which one realizes his true nature as a god and finds ultimate freedom. That's Aikido that's from the, the guy who developed it really? You're not going to get in freedom. You're going to get into bondage. And he's actually indoctrinating you not into uh, Asian philosophies that counter biblical Christianity, which you shouldn't be involved in, but he's also getting you involved into Asian witchcraft, okay? And uh, in fact, here they are admitting that these words okay, are used uh, to draw on for power. Let's take a look. Kotodama. A Japanese spiritual tradition that has spanned thousands of years was the practice in which Morihei Uyeshiba, the founder of Aikido, was trained. Aikido instructor Jack Wada showed me the Taurus nature of the Kotodama chant, their core practice of tuning one's consciousness. Kotodama, the two words uh, in uh, Chinese characters and Japanese, koto is like a word, and tama is like soul or spirit. And so kotodama can be kind of the spirit or the soul of the universe expressed in sound. And uh Sensei said that these uh, sounds generated, activated, and sustained what he called creation. In other words, I think he was looking past the obvious physical universe into almost like an energy blueprint for creation. Su- Apparently sound also has transformative power when aligned with the torus. And this seems to have been known long, long ago. I personally had felt what it was like to tap into this energy through Aikido. Huh. so you practice martial arts and you got involved in that stuff and you start feeling these... Uh, occult powers and again I don't have time to get into this we got a whole giant study in that but just by way of recap this guy named Bill Rudge if you're not familiar with him one of the top martial arts experts in the United States for a long time he came out of it because he got saved and he said and when he came out of it he asked himself two questions one did God want me still involved in this and two uh, if not should he speak out against Christians he spoke out to Christians, and I don't have. And again, we have a much bigger study on this on our Buddhism study. you Can check it out. But just a couple reasons why he says you shouldn't have anything to do with martial arts as a Christian. Number one, it instills pride and egotism. Okay, God opposes the problem, gives grace to the humble. He, he says uh, a violent nature to it. He says uh, he believes that certainly, and I would agree that there are instances for uh, self-defense, even biblically. So I'm not against you can't get self-defense. Uh, if you want to do self-defense, why not do boxing? Why does it have to be martial arts? Okay, do something like that. So think about. It. There's always an alternative. You can't. Oh, it's the only thing I can do. No, it's not. Right. But he says uh, that wasn't their aim. Their their aim wasn't just protection. It was to quote literally maim and cripple your opponent. In fact, he says just before I got saved, he said um, uh, he said I quit uh, because um, just before I quit, uh, he said a man got so I got mad at a man he was uh, being obnoxious to me that I actually quote considered taking his eyes out quote I realized that this should not be an option for someone seeking to live under Christ's lordship yeah (laughs) but the big main thing and then we're going to move on is he says it clearly links you to eastern mysticism and the occult okay just like yoga many people you say oh I'm just doing for exercise next thing you know they get into what new age and Hinduism don't they So stop kidding yourself, okay? Same thing with martial arts. Eventually, guess what direction you're going to go? Away from God and in this direction as well. He says, there are definite Eastern mystical and occult overtones inherent in the martial arts. Many who initially begin martial arts training for self-defense, physical discipline, exercise, health benefits, or for sports competition eventually become involved in practices and philosophies that are diametrically opposed to biblical Christianity. Quote, in all styles, of the martial arts. There's an underlying philosophy that eventually conflicts with the scripture. These disciplines have an alluring effect that tends to lead a person little by little into Eastern religious and occult philosophy and practice. And sometimes, you keep going, you're going to get possessed. Especially if you keep getting those tattoos on your body, okay? And that's a whole another aspect. But uh, a lot of the Asian culture is they take these words and they permanently tattoo them on them to give them power. Right. And they want to have these familiar spirits to come and have it to them to give them power. And then we're talking again in martial arts. OK, but let's take a look at one example and then we're moving on to China.
1: Thousands gather outside a Bangkok temple to get in touch with their spiritual side and pay respects to magic tattoo master Luang Pa Penh. The Buddhist monk passed away in 2002 at age 79, but his following is more alive than ever, and his tattoos are said to cast a trance on believers. I wear 17 Hanuman tattoos. They are very powerful. It is very hot in my body. Some even become possessed by the spirits of the animal tattoos on their bodies. It doesn't matter how many tattoo scripts you put on the body, but if your mind doesn't connect to the gods, then the gods won't possess you. The tattooing practice is done in the traditional method, using a long spear and ink made from herbs and even cigarette ash.
3: Hey guys, we're here at Wat Bang Phra. We're 50 kilometers outside of Bangkok and this place is known for Sakyan tattoos. The Sakyam tattoos are known for their magical properties. They can do anything from just bless you with normal, simple, good fortune to uh, give you the ability to dodge bullets. And I'm here because I want to get one of these. Well, I just got my tattoo. I'm feeling pretty, pretty excited now. I mean, it hurts a little bit still, but not too much. So now that I got my tattoo, tomorrow is the Waikou Festival. As soon as we got to the White Crew Festival, my cameraman and I got separated because of the chaos and, and all the craziness of the crowd. And a lot of these people who have had tattoos before are getting into a trance, they're acting you know really crazy and wildly, they're throwing themselves around. Some of them are jumping over people, some of them are, are, are diving, and if all you have is whatever space. Is immediately around the hairs of your body, so it's it's a little chaotic, it's a little scary, really. Um, It's pretty dangerous. (laughs) I can definitely tell you that.
0: Yeah, keep getting tattoos on your body and practice martial arts. It's perfectly fine. Nothing will ever happen to you. No, you keep going. You could even get possessed, not just let astray stray into Eastern occult practices and things. And even a little girl knows something is horribly wrong going on there. Okay, with that. Now, let's get into, uh, very quickly, the part two, China. China's religion in general is what's called polyphyletic, meaning it's diverse, uh, they even liken it to as quote an empty bowl that they throw in various things uh, you go over to China they they could be Buddhist, uh, Taoist, Confucius they could venerate uh, nature uh, the forces of nature ancestors uh, they could be just rational they could believe that the universe and all of reality is influenced by the spirits and gods they could be uh, worshipping a multiplicity of gods or so called immortals or uh, guess what that's right they can be involved in witchcraft now basically uh, Chinese witchcraft uh, again, I almost feel extremely rushed, but I, just, I can't deal with all this stuff, but let me give you an overview. But basically, Chinese witchcraft, uh, they, they have a name for the basically the witch, and that is the Wu, Wuism, which is basically Chinese shamanism, but that's basically the Chinese version of the witch or the witch doctor, okay, things of that nature, male or female. Uh, in fact, there's a series out on Netflix called Wu Assassins. So basically, now you know what Wu means. It means what? Witch assassins. So, okay, but that's what it basically means. Uh, The Chinese word Wu means shaman or uh, wizard, one who, quote, mediates with powers basically mediates as a medium uh, with demonic things. Again, it could be uh, the female version, a shaman would be a sorceress. The male version would be a sorcerer. Again, just like witchcraft. They believe that uh, cosmic powers dominate nature, the sun, the moon, the stars, the winds, the clouds. Okay, and they have to do certain practices, and we'll get into this, Lord willing, into so-called modern witchcraft they got practices uh, to manipulate these forces and you have to do certain rituals certain dances and trances uh, you got to throw out the bones and you get to find all that other kind of stuff still goes on today uh, the Wu or the Chinese shaman witch would perform various rituals for groups local communities such as the moon drum dance okay now you're starting to sound like what American Indianism, shamanism why because it's the exact same thing Again, nothing new under the sun, okay? Uh, Wu, again, its contemporary counterparts translates directly over would be witch or warlock or literally uh, witch uh, uh, witch doctor itself. Now, they're supposed to be able to have these powers, demonic powers for uh, different things. One, they're supposed to uh, be uh, used for healing. And not just supposed to be, but you need to understand their culture relies upon this stuff, right? Oftentimes in the Asian communities, when, quote, when all else fails, when those medical doctors can't do it who they turn to still to this day witchcraft shamans woos are still big uh, throughout that society today and uh, of course they have a belief that your illnesses is being caused by demons now it can be there is some scriptural evidence for that but that doesn't mean everyone and every illness right but that's what they believe so guess what they do they use somebody the woo, the witch doctor using demonic powers to suppose get rid of your demonic ailment Right, so, as we saw before that 's a losing battle, okay, but how do they get rid of the demons well here 's just a couple of their practices, and we 'll move on uh, The woo basically will take arrows or a spear or a lance, and he goes to the community. And he's, boy, getting back at the demons like, yeah, like, that's going to work. In fact, let me give you an example. Uh, Several times a year during special occasions, hordes of woos would race shrieking through the streets, enter courtyards and homes, thrusting their spears in the air in an attempt to expel evil creatures. Then prisoners were dismembered outside the gates of the city to both serve as a deterrent to the demons and as an indication of the fate should they be captured. So basically, we're going to poke you to death and if you come near our city, see what those prisoners are all hacked up, that's going to happen to you. But That's their version of an exorcism, getting rid of the demons. It's crazy, but unfortunately, uh, it goes on. They also are looked upon as rainmakers, Rainmakers. Now what are we starting to sound like again? Indian, American Indians, shamanists, witchcraft folks, okay? A lot of Hollywood glamorizes uh, American Indians oh, they were so peaceful when the settlers came over here and they just loved nature no they were heavy duty into the occult and human sacrifice and all kinds of stuff so uh, you need to add that to the element and understand what's going on here okay but rainmakers and these woos this is still China again they believe that they can control rainfall and flooding so the woos what they would do is a quote sacrificial rain dance ceremony nothing new under the sun is it right they had to carry out a quote and this is an actual picture here carry out an exhausting dance within a ring of fire why would they go around the ring of fire? Because here's what they believe. It would cause them to sweat profusely and as soon as they would keep dancing around they would start to sweat when the falling drops of perspiration uh, were coming out then that was supposed to produce the rain. So, okay, whatever. Uh, I'll take a modern day airplane seating over that any day of the week. Uh, But they also were big on dream interpreters. The woos are supposed to interpret dreams and tell you what's really going on inside your head there. Right? Uh, Even to this day Uh, but there was a dangerous side they were able to supposedly quote interpret the guilty dreams of murderers right we oh oh, I can tell what you're really up to and I quote uh, that made them quote feared and considered dangerous Boy, talk about a weapon that could be right well the spirits are telling me that your dream really means this and you're going to commit you can knock people off Right? And speaking of which, they did gain power and these Wu's, believe it or not, in the China culture, got involved in politics. Okay, In fact, some would say that some of their kings were, quote, Wu shamans. They worked their way all the way up into politics okay, because they were, as we're going to see, in, I'll give you, we're going to end on an example, Lord willing, get a lot of money for this. They, you know, like the word faith teachers rip people off their cash with their techniques, including with witchcraft, that they Christianize, but still witchcraft okay these guys are getting uh uh rich and not just with the money but oh you better better listen to him because he might interpret your dream in a way that you know so they they got involved in politics okay uh they became quote ritual bureaucrats which got me to thinking what you mean to tell me that they had they had uh uh politicians that were flat out involved in witchcraft good thing that doesn't happen here Lord willing if we're still alive and still here because the rapture is definitely imminent wait till we get to our study the final studies on like Freemasonry and Illuminati and the secret societies and if you don't think that witchcraft has a big play in our politics even today uh, just do a small background check on the Bush family and the Clintons and we're going to see a very interesting clip here about Obama uh, at the end there but anyway so they had their version also in China uh, of talismans okay it wasn't a fuda as Japanese they call them the fulu okay and this again is their version of basically magic symbols words that were painted or written on paper and they're again supposed to uh, summon the deities of the spirits They could be used as a tool for exorcism uh, medical uh, medicinal potions and ailments and things of that nature uh, and, uh, and they even quote tried to make the magic writing as easy to understand so that quote anyone could have the power to control spirits okay but they they took a little bit further too. not just paper they also had coins okay and they would put their words the supposed magical words on the coins and basically the coins were basically kind of like the earlier versions we saw in the Roman Greek societies you carry it with you for good luck and protection as well so that's actually uh, one of those also another popular thing that they would carry for them uh, as a talisman is jade Jade's very, very popular, certainly in China, but most people don't realize that, quote, the sacred stone common to Asian witches in China was jade. So there's probably a bigger reason why that was around and popularized. Yellow jade was supposed to be assisted with earth-centered magic. Blue jade was supposed to be with more uh, uh, magic reaching towards the heaven, so to speak. Many witches and notable people wore jade as an amulet to protect their body from harm. And still today, woo. Chinese witches continue the, uh, presence in Chinese culture they act as clairvoyants, diviners charm weavers and supposedly they can get rid of evil spirits they also have again as we saw in witchcraft is big on mirrors and they have their version of a witchcraft mirror it's called a bakwa okay mirror as you can see depicted there uh, this is used uh, also in uh, feng shui we again we dealt with that uh, in our uh, Buddhism study but basically that's the belief where you have to arrange things in, in your environment, in certain places to attract the best chi energy and all that stuff and things of that nature. Uh, they use these mirrors in, in, in that as well to supposedly achieve that. Okay. But it's not just uh, used in uh, these, that practice, it's used in witchcraft. Okay. If you're using it for feng shui, you need to get a concave or convex one. But if you're going to use it for witchcraft, you'd have to do a flat one. Okay. Just like the other ones that we saw before. Okay. In fact, here's a lady showing you They still make them today, they still use them today, and if you can't find them at a witchcraft store, she shows you how to make one yourself. Let's take a look at that.
4: Hi, today I wanted to talk about the bakwa mirror and how to work with it in traditional witchcraft. I did want to first make sure to distinguish using the bakwa Muir in feng shui and traditional witchcraft. So today we're going to be talking specifically about the occultist. So the Bakwa mirror is believed to be a form of spell crafting. You have the Bakwa eight trigrams arranged in a particular way. The shape, the colors, every aspect lends itself toward the energy raising and the magic of the, of the Bakwa mirror. And most of them will also have a Fu sigil on, or talisman on the back as well. Usually in feng shui, when you hear from feng shui masters, you're going to be looking for a Bakwa mirror that's either concave or convex depending on your particular feng shui needs. Usually it's because there are poison arrows of some kind around the area. Anyway, off topic. For the practitioner of craft, the witch, you're going to want to look for one that's flat. Which trigram you want up top, um, how you want to turn it, is going to depend on what your You know what? I think I'm going to create a PowerPoint for this. Now, how to work with the dial on your mirror. Example, say you want to employ defensive magic or warding to safeguard by agitating a force that someone else is sending toward you to hurt you. Work with thunder on your bakwa magical mirror. When using the mirror, turn the dial so the trigram thunder is up toward heaven. Now, if there are roadblocks challenging the flow of money, income, and prosperity toward you, cast wind. So when using the mirror in your spellcrafting, the wind trigram would be up. Typically in East Asia, you would buy one of these that has already been consecrated and charged, ready to go, from a master practitioner of the craft. But since you probably don't have access to that, I'll show you how to charge one of these yourself.
0: Yeah, no thank you. Uh, They go quick, but still being used today, still being promoted today uh, as well. And part of the reason why uh, witchcraft is still popular over there today is not just embedded in their society, but just like uh, we have our version of a animation industry that popularizes witchcraft called Disney. They also have their version. uh, One of the things that they have over there is anime. Anime is huge. Uh, in the Asian culture. It's actually very popular over here in the United States as well. Uh, but it's promoting heavy-duty uh, witchcraft. In fact, these are witches, girl witches, and and that's a cat spirit, a cat familiar spirit that's supposed to be a traveling companion to help them. But again, that's straight-up witchcraft. Uh, this one's called Magical Girl. Uh, it's novels, manga. That's their version of a comic book, uh, anime, video games. And again, it features girls possessing powers and with the animal mascot that tags along with them to help them fight monsters and they are, are got this, they're working on Magical Boy, you know, Just they're just promoting him. Now, it's coming out so much that listen to this, this is from the South China Morning Post, okay? It says, belief in witches runs rampant in some Chinese communities, a new study shows, in one community in China, of the population have been labeled as witches by their neighbors according to a new paper published on January 8th which households are believed to raise snakes and poison people by providing them polluted food or simply by eye contact as we saw the evil eye right so think about that 13.7% in this community is flat out witches I don't know that we have a study on how many are here in the United States I think we'd probably be surprised if we can get an accurate number I think it's a lot more profound than what we think of okay and of course these guys are not only into uh, witchcraft but black magic which is still witchcraft again that's the illusion white black green purple I don't care it's all bad okay but these guys just like the word faith guys they are getting rich driving fancy cars and big homes with the power of the word people paying big bucks including Politicians, Watch this.
2: Going down into the world of mystery and magic. Anwar's business went bankrupt. Now he spends his last money on the only person he believes can help him. Ki Joko Bodo, the richest and most successful witch doctor in Indonesia. In his underground cave, Joko Bodo uses his own medicines. Candles, swords, dolls and perfume. Anwar is convinced the treatment will make him a rich man. I completely believe he can do it. My friends were all successful after visiting Ki Jokobodo. Upon request, the witch doctor also performs black magic. He even tells us that people order him to kill their political opponents by using magic, something he says he can do. Of course it's against the law, but please prove that it. it was done through magic. It's in this dark underground cave in Jakarta where people are coming to look for solutions to their love life, their medical problems or even for political support. They believe in magic is so big that they are willing to pay huge amounts of money. Even the most devout religious people think that magic is their last resort. Kijo Kobodo has made a fortune with his magic. He has built houses like castles and owned several expensive sports cars. He doesn't believe that what he does is wrong. As long as people are willing to pay huge amounts of money to fulfill their dreams with magic, Kijoko Bodo will be able to expand his fleet of cars. It doesn't seem likely the government will stop him anytime soon. High profile clients like parliament members or ministers pay up to thousands of dollars, depending on their request. In Indonesia even the president himself, although he would deny it in public, is said to believe in magic.
0: If he denies it, that's probably because he is embarrassed with people like Obama. Although Obama, I'm sure, believes in this as well. You won't find that in the U.S. press. Just threw it out there like everybody knows that. What? Wonder why those eight years of his administration was so rough. Wonder why, why why does it feel like right now we're in a spiritual battle with what's going on in our country maybe it is and hey as we close for those who think that man this kind of stuff ain't ever going to make it here and I quote real quick Asian Americans can be quote witches too listen to this study according to a Pew Research Center study millennials are leaving traditional religions like Christianity at record numbers and they're identifying with occultism and practices like Wicca so basically they're leaving us and going where straight to witchcraft right okay they say no hard statistics uh, can be found on how many witches exist here unfortunately. But it's undeniable that more and more communities, places of worship for witches and Wicca uh, and shops have sprouted up to support the growing numbers of people identifying as Wiccans and more, including Asian Americans who want to connect with their cultural practices. So again, just like it got over into Israel, began to permeate, even Asian witchcraft today is coming over here to America, adding to the other forms of witchcraft As well. Well, in our journey next time, we're going to now we're in East. We're going to head a little bit south. Lord willing, next time, from India. anybody ever watch that uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom? The guy with the that was just Hollywood make believe. They don't really do that human sacrifice stuff, do they? Yeah. Wait till you see that their version of witchcraft, as well as island witchcraft. Then, Lord willing, we're going to head over to Africa. Then we're going to head to the Americas with the Aztecs, the mines. Then we're finally over in Europe, and we'll pick up there. But let's pray. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple of things that the Bible says. The the word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against him and disqualified us that disqualified us for heaven. Right. And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, For instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court. The gavel's been passed. The judge has said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty. Uh, You even admit you're guilty. And uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally God bless.